Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. So right now I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Joanne Butrin. So special to be here on her birthday, my goodness. Good morning. It's nice to be home in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is home to me. I grew up on the other side of the state, in the northeast part, but um, coming back to Pennsylvania is just a delight. But coming here is a privilege. I, I was honored to be asked to speak at your missions convention. You know, this church has a reputation uh, for being a great missions church, and there's nothing more refreshing to a missionary than walk into a group of people who love missions, yes? <laughs> it just, wow, it makes me feel wonderful. And that was a great missions sermon you just preached, Pastor. <laughs> I think we need to go on the road, you know? That was just, you already had a mission service, so I'm just going to talk to you <laughs> this morning. And the beautiful worship. But I, I just want to say, as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, my heart is full of thanksgiving for you for what you're doing for people like me and for Compassion Link and for the missionaries that you support. You know, your, your ripple effect of what you're giving, as Pastor is saying, is blessing and touching people all around the world. And uh, I am just so grateful to be a part of this church and to partner with you. And I just, I, I love what you're doing. I love the way you're doing it. You know, I, when Vicki said, our hearts blended, as I was listening to them talk a little bit about what you're doing in missions today, you know, I came away from that meeting saying, they are doing missions right. They get it. And I love that. I love the, the way that you're doing missions and the way that you're reaching out to people in compassion. So God bless you and thank you so much for your amazing support. And you are sending missionaries. That's another great thing. My goodness, not many churches have the history of sending people out into the world as missionaries that you do. I was telling Pastor not too long ago, I had the opportunity of having coffee in Madrid, Spain with Amber <laughs> that you're sending. She is a choice servant of God, isn't she? Wow, I'll tell you what, yes. The Van Brickles that you had here last week, just choice, wonderful people. And I got a chance to listen to their sermon last night. And wow, what great communicators they are. So thank you. It is great to be an Assemblies of God world missionary. I have to tell you, you take such good care of us. When I was headed out to Africa, I needed a vehicle. Not just any vehicle. Speed the Light from Pennsylvania bought me a dual-wheel half-ton pickup truck with four-wheel drive and a wench on the front to pull me out of, of mud holes. It was the, the, the truck of every girl's dream, you know, to, to have a truck like that. But you provided it for me. Women's Ministries outfitted my house. When I needed literature, Light for the Lost was there. The children, Children's Ministries, BGMC, always coming with, with what I needed. You know, I wrote to the Pendel Girls Ministries and said, I need Band-Aids and bandages. After a while, I had to write and say, don't send anymore, <laughs> because I think we could have band-aided the entire world. You know, we ask you for eyeglasses. If any of you remember dropping a pair of eyeglasses in a box in the foyer, yeah? Well, we still need your used eyeglasses, by the way. We're still taking them to places in the world. But we took eyeglasses to China. 
way up on the border between China and Tibet. We found a tribal group there, an ethnic group, and uh, we were ministering to them with some eyeglasses. There was a woman there who had lost her livelihood because she sewed, and she could no longer see to thread her needle. So we put this pair of glasses on her, just happened to capture that on video. I want you to see it, because it could have been one of your pair of glasses that this lady got. See the smile? <laughs> so thank you for responding, for, for allowing your hearts to be stirred over and over again. You, you bless us. You bless me. You bless women like that. So thank you. I started my missions career in Congo, in Africa, working out in the, the, the bush area in a little clinic and hospital. Uh, for 14 years, and I have to tell you, I didn't have a great orientation like they do now. I didn't exactly know what I was doing when I got there. In fact, I had got off the plane in the middle of Africa in what we were wearing in the day that I left, which was a blue and white polka dot miniskirt. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I know. My coworker who came to meet me said, oh, dear Jesus, what have you sent me? You know, mini. I soon learned that showing your leg in that culture was not very appropriate. I didn't know the difference between malaria and diarrhea because I hadn't taken time to study tropical medicine. But once I got both of them, I learned pretty quickly, you know, what that was all about as well. I wouldn't trade that 14 years for anything in the world. I had got great experience. I learned so much. But, you know, the Congolese people are the ones who really taught me what it's like to have joy of the Lord in the midst of difficult circumstances. They taught me how to persevere, you know, and life is tough. And I just, I came away from that feeling like I grew up there and was ever so grateful for that experience. And then joined our medical missions program, Healthcare Ministries, later directed it, traveling all over the world with uh, teams, doing health initiatives, doing community outreach, and always having the opportunity to share about Jesus with them. And then, as Vicki said, the executive director of World Missions asked me to put on a few more hats. And so now I direct some wonderful ministries called the International Ministries, and that gives me a seat on the leadership team of our World Missions program. I'm the only woman. I'm the first woman, so I've got 12 guys in me, but it's just amazing. It is amazing to work with these incredible people and our director, Dr. Greg Mundus. I, I just feel so privileged to be a part of that. You may wonder what the International Ministries is, and let me just give you a quick, quick overview of them. How many of you have ever been on a building team? Well, Builders International is one of the groups. They're connecting field projects and building needs out in the field somewhere with churches who want to go build something. And then there's Global Initiative, reaching Muslim people, training people all over the world, including here in the U.S., how to reach their Muslim friends and neighbors. Global University has online Bible schools all over the world. Do you believe, do you believe that right now there are about 80,000 Chinese people studying the Bible online in China because of Global University, likewise in Iraq, Iran, Vietnam? Yeah, just amazing. <clears throat> we have 
ministry to Jewish people called Jacob's Hope. Some of you may have heard about that, doing wonderful things through compassion, touching the lives of Jewish people. Did you know there are a large number of Jewish people in Buenos Aires, Argentina? <laughs> That's the latest place we're working, as well as Ethiopia, Israel, and Eastern Europe. And then Life Publishers. Have you heard of the Fire Bible? Yes, it's in 47 languages. Pentecostal study notes available to people in their language. Network 21.1 is an internet evangelism ministry who has people come to their site who are looking for answers to their life's issues. There have been 30 million visitors to that site now, and about one and a half million have indicated that they prayed the prayer that's online there to receive Jesus. I'm just so thrilled with this ministry because they don't just pray the prayer, they then connect them to spiritual disciplers and mentors and try to connect them to local body of believers. Well, how many of you have a cell phone? What did we ever do without cell phones? I don't know if I could have found the church without my cell phone this morning. We have a ministry that's Uh, using cell phone and mobile technology to take the gospel in hard-to-reach places. You know, we found that that almost everybody in the world has a cell phone. In that same village where that Chinese lady was, I was out in the field talking to a lady and a cell phone rang. Now, this is a lady that had like four layers of costuming and an ornate hat, and I thought I was in the middle of nowhere when a cell phone rang. I reached and realized it wasn't mine because mine didn't work there. She reached down into the layers of that costume and pull up a cell phone and start talking on the phone, which is to say that there are very few people in the world that don't have mobile technology. So we're taking advantage of that to bring the gospel to them. It's just a wonderful ministry. And then we have Royal Rangers International. Now, we surely have some Royal Rangers, who former Royal Rangers or Royal Rangers leaders. I think I saw a hand over there somewhere. Anyway, Royal Rangers is a wonderful program of mentoring the next generation of boys and girls around the world. And we are in 100 countries of the world, and the goal is to be in every country of the world with Royal Rangers. And then lastly is Compassion Link, and that's the one that I'd really like to focus on this morning a little bit. As I travel around the world, and I do, I've been in about 109 countries of the world now, I have seen so much need in desperate situations. I find people that are just burdened down with the cares of life. Poor sanitation, contaminated water, rampant disease. You know, we have Ebola and Zika and malaria and diarrhea and all kinds of things. And with that goes inadequate health care as well. I have to get my iPad going, Vicki, this turning pages isn't working so well. You know, I still see people with HIV AIDS. I know we hardly ever hear of it here in the U.S., but there were 1.1 million new infections last year of HIV somewhere in the world, and about that many deaths from AIDS as well. We have the human trafficking issue. Doesn't that just grab your heart when you hear about uh, the terrible trafficking of women and children around the world? There are addictions in every country that we go to, disasters one after another, displaced people, you know, the refugee situation in Europe. I'm sure that Joel was talking to you about that. Uh, The largest movement of people in Europe that they've ever known. And yet I imagine he also said that there were about 30,000 Muslim people who, who prayed to receive Jesus as a result of our people being there, being present, and being available for them. There are people with disabilities all over the world, and poverty is everywhere. And the thing that keeps me awake at night 
is I read that there are about 3.9 to 4 billion people in the world, that's more than half the population, who have never had an adequate witness of Jesus. Doesn't that just strike something in you? And we find that the people who are hard to reach or unreached are also in areas of great poverty and need. But you know what else I find as I travel around the world? I find people who possess incredible creativity. People who have the amazing ability to survive. I find moms and, and women who are motivated and, and doing whatever it takes to make sure their kids have, have shelter and clothing and food. And, and I'm just often amazed when I see these kids that make their homemade toys and they just make do with what they have. And I think, wow, I don't think I could handle what they handle. And yet they do it. They do it so well. And so what do we do then? We see all this need. And then we see people who have amazing capacity. And how do we, how do we minister to them in a relevant way? To truly have compassion, I think, is something more than just a feeling. If you were to stop and think for a minute, how would I define compassion? The word, if you take it apart, it's with passion, right? Does that sound like a passive word? It's really an active word, isn't it? In, in Matthew 9, it talks about Jesus being moved with compassion when he looked out over the crowds. And if you really define that, it means from way deep within, coming out and resulting in action. So it's beyond a feeling. It's not just pity. It's not just an emotion. It's like, I feel so much for this person, I want to do something about it. Well, I don't think I have to convince you guys of this because you're doing these kinds of things. I'm so, so impressed with your uh, local project in Washington Estates. And, oh, I think the potential of what God is going to do with that is just thrilling. I wish I could have a day job and a night job and come and be a part of that as well. But, you know, the Bible tells us to do exactly what you're doing. It says, uh, if, you, if you read the Old Testament, you see the heart of God, don't you? He says, deal with the, the orphans minister to the widows, take care of the homeless, take care of the fatherless, and Central Assembly, that's what you're about. That's what you're doing, and I'm just so proud that you're doing that. I'm so grateful that you are. You know, it says in Proverbs 19, when you take care of the poor, you lend to me. That's exactly what the word says. You're lending to God by doing what you're doing. In Leviticus, in the Old Testament, it says that, that you shouldn't have any grudges against people. In fact, it says you should love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, that sounds so nice, but it's so hard. I love myself a lot, you know. <laughs> and I'm supposed to love them just like I love me, and I'm supposed to take care of them just like I take care of me. Wow, that's not so easy. And then I think in, in, the, in the New Testament comes a verse that, that really strikes a chord for me. And the way that we minister is 1 John 3, 17 and 18. It says, if you have material possessions, everybody here has some, right? And you see a brother in need and you have no pity or compassion on him, then it says something really startling to me. How can the love of God even be in you? That's what it says. How can the love of God be in you? So it says, dear children, let's love not just with our words, but with our deeds. And so we have created our ministries at AGWM to be integrated with word and deed. We're not just doing good to do good, although we will if that's all that we can do. But in any opportunity that we have to combine that with the good news of Jesus, that's what we want to do.
word and deed together. And so we created uh, Compassion Link, bringing the health initiatives, bringing the community development, bringing ministry to disabilities, bringing ministry to people who've gone through disaster all together in, in one spot. Can I show you a little video? And I think if you listen carefully, you'll see some of the main philosophies of that ministry. Compassion is showing a mother how to care for her sick child. Compassion is training a man to dig a water source and then maintain it. Compassion is teaching community health workers how to improve sanitation and reduce disease. Compassion is raising awareness about the needs of the disabled. Compassion is preparing local leaders to respond to community needs when disaster strikes. True compassion is sharing the good news of Jesus while demonstrating His love. Compassion is meeting physical, spiritual, and emotional needs while restoring lost dignity by working with people, not giving handouts. Compassion is loving, giving, healing, caring, serving, partnering. We're the bridge between the hurt and the healing. We are Compassion Link. Join us in serving a world in need. And so I think that you see that we're trying to build on the capacity of the people that we serve. We're not assuming that we, sitting here in America, know what they need. But rather, we're going out to find that out together. We're finding out what are their strengths, and then what are their needs, and then together, how can we make a difference? You know, sometimes it's just a simple gesture of, of showing care and concern that really touches the heart of someone in need. I remember sitting in front of a, and a, and in front of a, a woman and, and her kids in Paraguay. We were there to just offer simple care, and she came in, she, she looked so tired. She had three little ones, and they all looked unkept. They looked dirty. They looked worn down. They sat down in front of me, and the littlest one was about a year, and I took her on my lap and let her play with my stethoscope so she wouldn't be afraid and just started checking her over. I noted she had lice. I noted she had scabies or skin disease. Her ear was runny. She was just in, in poor shape. And so I was just checking her over and looked up. And the mom was crying, just tears running down her face. And I said, you know, why are you crying? She said, no medical person has ever been willing to touch my children before. You know, just a simple act of taking that child on my lap. And it got straight to her heart. And I just went and I sat beside her, put my arm around her, as I'd done so many times. And I just said, you know, mom, there's a Jesus who loves you. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about him and how he can come into your life? You know, she accepted Jesus that day. We introduced her to the pastor. I don't know if she was lifted out of her poverty, but I do know that she was lifted out of her spiritual poverty that day. Yes, amen. Our team went to northern India earlier this year, and with our missionaries and national workers there, they did an assessment to find out what the priority strengths of the community were and what the priority issues of the community were. 
And um, as they were going around, what the people kept saying is there's so much uh, lung disease here. Everybody has respiratory issues. Everybody has eye issues. And um, we're trying to figure out, well, when we did the home visits, realized that, that everybody was cooking indoors. They had little fires in the houses, and the smoke was really doing a, a job on these folks. So we, shot, uh, we have a little video. We did not shoot this video, but the, we added some of our comments on the end. So let me show you what we saw in uh, northern India earlier this year. Seema Kolekar is making bakri bread for her family. They live in a village in western India, and every day she cooks all their meals on a traditional cook stove. It is nothing more than sculpted clay around a fire that is fueled by wood. Nearly three billion people around the world still depend on three stone fires and traditional cook stoves like this, unable to afford or access cleaner forms of energy. The burden of collecting and preparing the fuel whether it's wood, agricultural waste, or dung, often falls on the women and girls within a family. And it is women and their children whose health suffers the most once these smoky, inefficient stoves are lit. Recent research shows that nearly 4 million people die each year from household air pollution caused by combustion. That means that stove smoke is killing more people than malaria, tuberculosis, and HIV-AIDS combined. Research also shows that the smoke doesn't stay inside the house, drifting out to be a major contributor to both outdoor air pollution and climate change. Hi, my name is Amy Julian, and I'm a nurse here at Compassion Link. We at Compassion Link are all very concerned about the health implications of people using open pit fires in their homes. So there's a team going from Compassion Link to India, and we are going to teach the people how to make things like rocket stoves and Vita stoves using all locally based products so that they can learn a new way to cook in their homes using less fuel and that will produce less smoke. One of the other things that we'll be able to do in India is teach people how to make a solar oven using once again locally based products and using the sun to cook food with no smoke, no fuel, we're just using the power of the sun. Thank you for linking hands with us as you offered your prayers and financial support and help us to get to India in the next few weeks. So in December, on December 10th, our team is going back to the Himalayan area. We're calling this Mission Himalayas. And we have chosen this community as, be, as one that we will be focusing over the next couple years. Um, we have 30 pastors from these rural villages that are coming together to get trained. Now, those stoves you just saw are not pretty. <laughs> They're ugly. The solar oven, it looks awful. But everything that goes into making that, you can find there. Our team has already found that out. The cardboard, the foil, the oil cans to make those stoves, it's already there. We're not bringing anything to them. We are bringing the training, however. And so we're going to be um, going there. And I have the ushers have some cards in their hands. It's their, their prayer reminder cards for Mission Himalaya. And I'd like to ask you if you would mind taking that card, maybe putting it, taping it on your fridge or something, so that you could remember to pray between now and the end of December. And then ongoing into next year, we're going to be targeting this community as well as others 
we want to be able to empower these local pastors to be able to bring something of value back to their communities. Can you imagine the doors that that will open to be able to draw people in, say, hey, I have something that's going to make a difference in your life and offer that training, show them how to do it. We're laying down some evaluation markers so we can go back and see how many people were trained, how many people are actually using these stoves. And ultimately, we hope to be able to say the, that the incidence of respiratory disease in those villages has reduced. We want to create healthy communities. You know, you're talking a lot about the word transformation, and I, I love that word. We want to see whole communities transformed. We want to see them transformed physically and have better health. We want to see them transformed emotionally. And we're actually bringing, in December when we go, we're bringing some counselors to offer some, some pastoral care to the pastors themselves. But you know, our heart beats that they will be transformed emotionally or spiritually. We want to see God just do some amazing things in these communities. And our heart beats for that. You know, when, when I talk about... 3.9 billion people not having an adequate witness. I've learned that in unreached people groups, and in fact, in some of the areas where we're going to be in North India, 80% of the people in the unreached places have never met a Christian. Can you imagine? They've never even met a Christian. Why am I standing here telling you this today? Because we need workers. We don't have enough people to reach the 7,000 unreached people groups that are out there. We're dealing with about 300 of them, but that leaves an awful lot more. I'm telling you this because we believe that God is still calling people. Now, you, you've been challenged by Joel last week, and you've been challenged during this missions convention. My challenge to you is this. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing for the Spirit to knock on your door? You know... <laughs> He does it in very different ways. But we are finding that those that go on one-week trips or mission trips or those that go short-term are the ones that are coming to us long-term now. They're the ones that see the need. We talk about transforming communities, but I want to tell you something, folks. When you stand face-to-face -face with a woman in Paraguay with her sick kids, it does something to you. It does transformation in your heart, and that's what will happen to you if you go out there. Out in the foyer, I have some information. If, if you want to pick up some of that information and, and get in a pipeline so that we can begin a dialogue with you about how you could be involved in missions, it's there. You'll see some jewelry out there, too. That jewelry, 100% of the profit from that is going into making stoves and solar ovens and things like that so that we can take that training to people around the world. But more than anything else, what God has laid in my heart today is to just throw out that challenge to you today. Are you willing? Could you be the one who stands beside that lady in Paraguay? Could you be the one who is by that man who is suffering from poor self-esteem because he can't provide for his family? Might you be the one who just puts your arm in his arm and says, let me walk this journey with you? You've heard about Zimbabwe in the news lately. They're in the midst of trying to overthrow the government right now. I don't know how that's going exactly, but Zimbabwe is a very poor country. We have not had good relationships with the country because of the president and his uh, dictatorial rule. We were invited by a church to come there 
to do some HIV AIDS testing. And it was a time when, because of poor relationships, anti-AIDS drugs were not readily available in that country. So in the local church, we set up a testing site. The church was ready. They had support groups. They were ready for this. But as we tested the people there, about 40% of the people tested proved to be positive for HIV. And it was not a great situation at all because we didn't have anywhere to send them to get medicine. But what we did have is the local church ready to receive them. As we were working and seeing people, people were coming into the church courtyard, some in wheelbarrows. Those that were too sick to walk came in wheelbarrows because they didn't have ambulances or stretchers, but some organization had donated wheelbarrows. And uh, so I was kind of used to seeing the wheelbarrows come in, but I looked up to the gate, and there came a metal cart. And in that cart were two lumps, and there was a woman pulling it. And she brought it over, and I went out. I was doing the triaging, seeing who needed what there. And I took back the covers of those lumps in that metal cart, and there were two women who were obviously dying of AIDS. They were emaciated. They were thin. They were still with it, though, and and able to talk a little bit of English. So I learned that their story was that their husbands had been unfaithful, brought HIV home to them. They got infected. Both had lost their husbands. The mother had lost her husband. One had lost a child. And there were two more kids still in the family. And this mom was trying to care for these two daughters. One had what seemed to be like meningitis. She had a real uh, stiff neck and... And the other one was had a lot of throwing up, she told me. And so they asked if there was anything we could do to help. And I looked at them, and just my heart broke that we couldn't really offer tangible help. But I told them, you know, we can, we can uh, give you some medicine for the meningitis and for the vomiting, and we'll try to give you what we can. We don't have much here, but we can try to help if we can. And so I just I felt so drawn to these women that I didn't want to leave their side. So I said, I'll just kind of stay with you as we wait for medicines and as we wait for the things that we can help you with. And as I was standing there with them, I just asked the question, have you ladies ever heard about Jesus? And they said, you know, we've heard, but we don't know much about him. So in those few moments of just standing there holding their hands, I told them about Jesus and I focused on that we will go to be with Jesus when we die if he lives in our hearts. And I eventually asked them, would you like me to pray with you to receive Jesus? And they both said yes immediately, and the mom too. So we began to pray, and they prayed after me the prayer to receive Christ. But in the middle of that prayer, the one started to throw up. And of course, I stopped praying, and I, I was dismayed. I didn't know what to do. I started trying to clean her up and get some cloths and things. And I thought, you know, maybe I shouldn't have been doing this. Maybe they're too sick. Maybe this wasn't the right thing to do. I was kind of second-guessing myself and wondering what to do when I felt a tug on the sleeve of my jacket. And the woman that had been throwing up said to me, Doctor, would you mind finishing that prayer? And there in that little church in Zimbabwe, those two ladies received transformation. (laughs) in Jesus. It was probably, you know, I've led a lot of people to Jesus in my days, but I don't know that anything was ever as poignant to me. I will never forget those moments because, you know, I went away not sad, but rejoicing 
because these women were going to be in the arms of Jesus in a matter of weeks. And I was so glad that they didn't have to be in the life that they were in anymore because now I knew where they were going to be when they died. You know, I was there. It could have been you. It could have been pastor. It could have been, it could have been any one of you. It could have been the local pastor there, but thank God somebody was there to say, I care. I care, and I want to do what I can do for you. Are you willing? Would you bow your heads in prayer? As you think about these words of compassion, I know you haven't heard anything new that you didn't already know today. But you know, God has his time. He has his time when he's ready to call you. And I felt like as I was praying this morning that in this room, there are some that Jesus wants to move (laughs) somewhere else. There are some that Jesus wants to use on a short-term basis. There are those of you in this room that God wants to use in full-time ministry and missions. Whether it's here in your town, whether it's in a neighboring city, whether it's in somewhere in the world. I think what he's asking, what he's asked me to ask you today is, are you willing? Are you willing to move to a point of saying, Lord, I don't care where you send me. I just want you to know I'm willing to go. And if that is a willingness in your heart this morning, and it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God's just looking for that willingness. Could I ask if you might just slip up a hand and say, Joanne, I I don't know what this means, but I just want Jesus to know today that I'm one of those that will say, I'll go wherever, Lord, send me. Could you just lift a hand and say, Lord, yep, yes, I see these hands going. Yes, Lord, that's me. I don't care where. I don't know how. I don't see it possible, but I'm going to say I'm willing, and I'm going to let you provide. Because, you know, Jesus doesn't call us to somewhere where he can't provide for us. He will provide. Yes, I'm seeing hands go up. Are there more? Here I am, Lord. I'm willing. I'm willing. Jesus, you see these hands that are lifting right now. Lord, I pray that you will not let that settle in just a hand lift, but that you will continue to prod and to prompt and to call and to seek and to knock so that that willingness turns into action. Maybe that's signing up on the next team this church is sending Whatever your plan, Lord, I pray that this will not be just an idol I'm willing, but this will be a, go ahead and call me, Lord, I'm ready. And so, Father, I thank you for those hands that were raised. I thank you for every person sitting in this room who plays a part in missions, in their praying and in their giving and in their going. Thank you, Lord. When I challenged a church to pray two weeks ago about the visas for India, within five days, every single person received their visa because people prayed and you answered prayer. And you do answer prayer, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray that this congregation will continue on in the spirit of 
giving that they have and the spirit of mission that they have and the spirit of transformation that they have. And I thank you for the leadership team who are committed, Lord, to seeing the world around them and the world beyond them transform for you, Lord. And I thank you for every person who is willing to go along with this team and see our world one for Jesus. I pray your blessing upon them. As they give, may they be given over and over again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.